Good morning. I hope you all are doing well this morning. And if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not Jeff. So I hope you just bear with me through this. He's spending some time with his family this weekend. Um, he's actually at the hospital right now where Whitney just had her baby about 45 minutes ago. So for those of you that don't know me, I just kind of want to give you a little bit of background as to why it's me up here preaching today. So my story is that when I was going into my freshman year of high school, I went to a summer camp and I received my call to ministry there. For several years, I ignored that call. And then we started coming here to Heart of Life. I met my beautiful wife, Amy, who I've been married to for two years now, wherever she is. I can't see her there. Um, so it's been seven years since I received my call, and right now I am finishing a bachelor's degree in Christian ministry and preparing to begin master's studies in preaching. So I feel very blessed and honored to be here with you this morning sharing. <clears throat> if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's in the New Testament toward the end. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We'll have the verses on the screen for you. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to help get you connected with the right one. So just talk to us after the service, and we'll get you headed in the right direction. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far. As in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's quite a bit of text. I won't keep you too long. Just
just till Jesus comes back. Is that good? <laughs> I'm kidding. Now, I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into understanding this text a little bit more. Father, we praise you for your great love, for your grace, and for your word. We thank you that you have given us this opportunity to come together today to help celebrate the birth of our pastor's first grandchild, and that we would just, we're grateful for the opportunity to come and learn. And we ask that as we dive in, you would help to bring these things to bear in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have a letter from Paul to Timothy. While Paul is in prison, and Timothy is pastoring at Ephesus. Now, it's interesting because you would think since Paul's the one in prison, it would be Timothy writing to him, but it's actually the other way around. So Paul's writing here to address some issues in the church and to encourage Timothy. In verse one, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And let me tell you that we could probably spend all of our time this morning just on this one verse and get absolutely nowhere. But there are a couple of things I do want to note about it. First, the last days. When are they? And if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to tell you that I believe we're in the last days right now. And by that, I don't mean that we are in the last day today. I mean that the common conclusion among scholars is from the time that Jesus ascended to heaven up to and going on through this moment and until Jesus returns is the last days. And so we're living in the last days and terrible times are coming. John Calvin, a reformer from the 16th century, reminds us that these are not so much bad times as bad people. Just look at verses two through four. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now some of these, they speak for themselves. So we won't talk too much about some of them and others we're gonna discuss just a little bit more. So we'll go through these fairly quickly. Lovers of themselves. Now don't point, but you all know somebody like this. Lovers of money. And money is a good thing. We use it to pay for a place to live, we use it to pay for food, and so on. But the Bible tells us again and again that the love of money is the root of all evil. And even Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Continuing on, people will be boastful, people will be proud, And so we're not talking about the kind of proud where I'm proud of my kid for accomplishing something. We're talking the kind of proud that we've been studying for a few weeks now where we would say, who's God? I did this all for myself. I am here by my work, not God's. That's the kind of pride we're talking about. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon videos online or the podcast and be encouraged by those. People will be abusive. People will be disobedient. People will be ungrateful. People will be unholy. People will be without love. Now I wanna stop here for just a minute and talk. Without love, 
Because it's a very generic statement, I want to kind of explore what Paul is really meaning here. The Greek word here is astorgos. It literally means ah, without, and storgos, family love. So without family love. And we're talking about a love that when it's absent, this is the kind of thing that would degrade the human heart to the point that a woman could leave her baby in a trash can or that a man could leave his family for another woman. And so it's this most basic family love that we're talking about when we talk about these people in these verses. People will be unforgiving. Now when I first read through these verses, I was reading a different version, and they used the word irreconcilable. And that's definitely a more difficult word to say. I was worried I wouldn't be able to do it this morning. <laughs> but I also think it's more appropriate. And at its heart, it means unforgiving. But there's more to it than that. Because when someone is irreconcilable, it means they will not come to an agreement, they will not come to a resolution at all. They think, this is an issue, and that's what I want it to be, and that's the end of the story. You've likely heard about all the stuff that's happened in Charlottesville a couple weeks ago with this white supremacist, Antifa, and Black Lives Matter. And I'm sure there were other people there also. But the riots and terrorism that ensued there were a result of irreconcilable people. The issues of race and slavery that have happened in this country and across the world are horrible. They're absolutely horrible. But we as a country, we're trying to work through that and we're trying to bring some reconciliation to this. And we won't be perfect in doing it, we can't be. But irreconcilable people will fight that every step of the way, and they are. There will be slanderous people. There will be people without self-control. There will be brutal people. That is, there will be people who just exist in this state of or this culture of violence. There will be haters of good. There will be treacherous people or people who will betray even those who are closest to them. There will be rash people. There will be reckless people. And there will be conceited people. That means there will be people who whose vision is clouded and they cannot see the truth, they cannot connect with reality. <clears throat> and there will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this is where Paul's warning gets a little bit scary in verse five. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having a form of godliness so in other words, this is the person who comes to church every Sunday, but they deny the power of God. They deny the power of God to change the hearts and lives of sinners into saints. Ray Pritchard, the president of Keep Believing Ministries, frames it this way. In the last days, as men turn away from God, paradoxically, they will become more religious, not less. Religion will become more popular as we approach the end times because people will seek some refuge in a world that increasingly has lost its way. They will ask the right questions, but will follow the wrong answers. It will be religion for religion's sake, not religion for the sake of knowing Christ. They will join the church or some other religious organization. They will be baptized, attend the services, sing and pray and give and go through the motions, but their hearts will not be in it. They will deny the very power they profess to believe. In particular, they will embrace a kind of postmodern religion that allows them to do anything, believe anything, endorse anything, 
and that allows them to do anything as long as it makes them happy. They will say things like, we don't need to be bound by the outdated rules of the Bible. Those were written 2,000 years ago and don't apply to us today. That's not far-fetched. You can say things like that today and be elected a bishop in some denominations. Church, this is not what we're called to. We were called to a relationship with Jesus, and that relationship begins with him regenerating our hearts. 1 Peter 1.23 says, For you have been born again. The power of God has been manifested in you, causing you to be born again. Let me be clear. This verse in 2 Timothy is referring to someone who lives a godly life but denies the power with the resolve to live in their old ways. This is not your average going through the motions for a week or for a month. This is where your whole spiritual life is the motions. And Paul goes on in this very next sentence, have nothing to do with such people. Paul doesn't just tell us they're here. He tells us, stay away. These people bring a deceptive message that is a cancer to the body of Christ. And the more you're with them, the more you'll become like them. In verses six through nine, Paul tells us, they're the kind who worm their ways into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, as is the case of those men. Their folly will be clear to everyone. Now, tradition holds that Janus and Jambres were two Egyptian magicians during the time of Moses. You might know them better as these two. I don't know if you can see them from the Prince of Egypt, Mm -hmm. the ones that cast their staff at Aaron when he cast his at them, and they became snakes. And Aaron's staff ate theirs in front of Pharaoh, but Pharaoh wouldn't heed God's command to let the Hebrews go. And of all the plagues and miracles, this is the one and the one causing the frog to come on the land were the only two that they could duplicate. Now, has anybody seen the, any of the Indiana Jones movies? Have you seen the newest one? I'm sorry if you haven't. It's been out for quite a while, so. There's a scene where they're trying to pull him out of a quicksand pit with a snake. And in order for him to grab it, he's saying, call it a rope. If I had to pick up that staff as Aaron, I'd have been like, call it a staff. I don't want to pick it up. That's just some heavy stuff in those first, the first half of this passage. Um, but praise Jesus, because what he did on that cross and through the resurrection, this doesn't have to be our story. Paul goes on in verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch? Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul says, you know me. We've been in the ministry for a long time together. And you and I today, we know these stories too. Because not that long ago, we went through the book of Acts together. And we got to see some of those stories where Paul endured 
persecution, and God rescued him from that. And then Paul goes on to say, everyone who comes to Christ will be persecuted. But don't think that God will always rescue from physical temptation, or from physical persecution. Because even Paul was eventually killed for his faith. And then he says, those who have a form of godliness, or the evildoers and imposters, will continue to deceive and be deceived. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, the devil can give you remarkable guidance. There are powers that can counterfeit almost anything in the Christian life. There's a danger here, not only for those who are imposters, evildoers, those who have the form of godliness, but also for those who are among them to fall to the devil's guidance. Paul then says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy was raised in the scriptures, scriptures that have the wisdom that leads to salvation, scriptures that are useful for every purpose of the Christian life. And can I tell you something? Timothy's story, it's a lot like my story. Because you see, I was born in a home where my parents believed in raising their children in the church and in the word. So I know the value of being raised in the word. For me, it led to salvation at an early age. It led to me being called to ministry. It led to me serving. It led to me giving. It led to me being obedient. And ultimately, it's what's led me, ultimately, it's what's led me to be here today with you speaking. And I know that's not everyone's story. Many were raised in broken homes or in homes that didn't believe. Or some of you have been in church your whole life and not read the Bible and not understood the gospel's power for salvation. But these verses tell us that right here, right here, is the wisdom that leads to salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5 says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. In Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right here is the wisdom that leads to salvation. These verses also tell us that we've been given the tool to help us on the mission of God. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuke, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right here is the tool to help us on the mission of God. Right here is the tool to help us teach, the tool to help us rebuke, the tool to help us correct, and the tool to help us train in righteousness. Right here. So let me wrap it up in this way. 
How will you spend the rest of your life? Will you spend it raising up the next generation in the Word of God? Or will you spend it letting them grow into the picture that we see in verses 1 through 9? Because you see, we're given the responsibility of raising up the next generation in the Word. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen through 20 says, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Has anyone ever, like, have you run, have you watched, have you, do you just know what a relay race is in track? So it's this race where the goal is for each person to run a certain distance and then to pass the baton on to the next person so they can run their part of the race. I've been a part of these before and they're fun, but they're also difficult. Because when you drop that baton in a race, you're out, you're done. You are disqualified. But we as Christians are called in this race of life to be passing the baton on to the next generation so they can run their part faithfully. So you might be here this morning saying, yes, I realize that's my responsibility, but I don't know where to get plugged in. I'm glad you said that. Because we have an opportunity for you to be a part of a team teaching kids Bible study. And the great part is it's a team effort, so you don't have to do it alone. You can fill out the slip that you received in the bulletin when you came in um, and just say, I want to be a part of helping teach kids Bible study. And you can begin to help raise up the next generation in the Word. Some of you might be thinking, Matt, this is not my story at all. My life is just one thing after another, and I'm still fairly new to Christianity, still fairly new to the Bible. I wouldn't even know what I was doing if I was helping teach a Bible study. I'm glad you say that, because we have an opportunity coming up where we're going to be going through a book called Directions, which Connie is going to come up and talk about in a few minutes. And we're going to give you the opportunity to be a part of another team growing in the Word and learning so that you can be a part of kids' Bible study. And you just fill out that same slip, say, I want to be a part of Directions is what it's called. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing for a few minutes, I think. No, we're not. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be over here. I think a couple other people will be over here if you need to talk. Um, don't hesitate. We would be honored to talk with you and pray with you. Um, so yeah. God, we thank you for your word today. And we ask that as we go through this week, as we begin to mull over these things that you've spoken to us this morning, you would bring them to bear in our lives. Father, that we would respond to you. We ask that you would be with us as we go through this week. Lord, that we 
you would uh, give us safety as we travel, as Labor Day weekend is going on. Um, Lord, we just thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Oh, you are not dismissed. (laughs) Connie will dismiss you. Now am I on? Okay. Good morning. Bear with me. I have a little bit of a cold, so um, I have a cough drop in my mouth. Uh, This morning we were talking about your opportunities to serve or to learn. And um, I want to tell you a little bit um, about why I'm standing here. And the reason I'm standing here is because God can move you to a child with a lisp who didn't want to be seen or known by anyone, to somebody who's willing to stand here and um, encourage you. The Spirit of God moves in a mighty way um, to equip you and to grow you. But in order to be where God has called you to be and who he's called you to be, you have to be in his word. And um, two ways to be in the word is to either get on board and be teaching kids starting next week. Um, Lots of opportunities to plug in. I I do not believe that we can get too many volunteers for our children. You'll have the opportunity to come alongside somebody who's maybe a little more equipped to teach. And um, in that process of teaching children and sitting in on a children's class, you're going to have the opportunity to learn then. The other opportunity you have is to the, the book directions. Um, I've started going through it. Um, It is a book that is completely uh, sets a course for you as an individual if if you're new to this walk with Jesus, if you're new to digging into the word, if you're new to what it just means to be a church member. Um, It's also good for you that are seasoned who have been through the word, you've read it many times, you've, you've, you've done all of this. But so often, we get into the word and we read it, but to be able to put it all together and to be able to speak it into somebody else's life is where we struggle. We don't have confidence. And that's one of the things that this book is going to help us to do. It's an 18-week commitment, 18 weeks seems like a really long time until you get into it. So if you just um, fill out that little sheet of paper, let us know that you want to be part of the direction study. It will be taking place like this morning. It would be right after after we finish here. Um, One of the things we need to know is what kind of a class would you like to be in? Um, Some people want to definitely want to go, um, you know, in a multi-generational class. You, you love old people, you love young people. You don't care, you just love everybody. Other people want a connection with their age group. Some people want a connection like a men's class or a women's class. They may want a singles class. We don't know what your needs are. So if you'll fill out that little form saying, I need this many books for my family, but this is also the class we'd be interested in, can't guarantee that you'll get the class you're requesting, but we will do our best to make sure we have someone in there who's equipped to lead that class. And also, if you're helping with the kids, 
but you really want to be part of this, make sure and put that on there. We can also get you a book, and then maybe we can get you plugged in with a small group or a life team who's going to be going through it, or even a one-on-one or a small group of two or three adults that would be willing to go through it with you. Um, We have had many stories of individuals who have gone through this so far, and and, uh, the story I come back to was uh, one lady went through it with, with a group, of two or three, I believe it was three. And then when she came back to go through it again, she said, I continued to learn. And she was on her third time of going through directions when she said, every time I've gone through this book, I've learned something. And that comes from someone that I know who's loved Jesus and walked with Jesus for over 20 years. So your opportunity to learn from this book, Directions, is magnificent. And it also grows us together as a body when we share that. So I'm just asking you to please commit to it. It starts next week. We're going to kick it off and really get in gear the following week. And um, the more of us that are involved in it, the sooner we can start the process of sharing it with somebody else. And that equips us to be the body Christ has called us to be. And Matt, I don't know where you went, but you were awesome this morning. So um, just have a great day. And... um, Uh, fill out your little slips. You can put it in the box as you go out the doors, or you can take it to the office, call the church if you don't forget to put your slip in. Um, You can also email church at heartoflife.org. So anyway, you guys have an awesome Sunday, and I hope to see you next week in Bible study.